Hello folks, apologies for the delay completely, my fault, well, kind of technical difficulties and stuff like that, so we had to switch over to another platform to get us across onto Facebook, YouTube and Twitter, we didn't want to go out on one platform alone and the one that we usually use to get us there kind of let us down, so we got onto them boys, they'll be getting a slap on the wrist and we've uh, made alternative arrangements and now we're here live, uh, so apologies, we are about 13 minutes late, uh, but we are here Thankfully, I didn't think we were going to be off the ground for uh, a moment or two. So, yeah, we're in association with uh, TreeRock.ie, the sponsors of uh, the Tarmac Championship for us here on the Irish Rally Podcast. And we thank them for their continued support once again. So we have a bumper programme to get through, as well as looking back at a very eventful Circuit of Ireland rally. We're also going for a bit of a trip down memory lane because we're going to be joined by uh, Michal Marr and uh, Pat Malachny. Uh, a little bit later on in the programme, because it is uh, 30 years since Frank Maher actually won the Circuit of Ireland in what was a, a giant killing effort in uh, the fabulous Sierra against all the odds. So Michal actually sat with Frank that day. Pat obviously won a championship alongside him. So uh, yeah, some very good stories in there. Some very good stories indeed. Uh, but yeah, we have a good bit to go through, as we said. Uh, first up, I'm going to welcome along my co-host, Mr. Anthony Nestor. How are you doing, Anthony? Good, thank you. Well, listen, um, it's great to chat to you back on StreamYard. We were kind of tipping around with Melon and stuff. Uh, I know when we did a podcast last year, this is where we were, and this is where we're going to stay, because this never gave me hardship. The York is just wrecking me head. Anyway, we're off the ground. We're here. Actually, just well, as you mentioned earlier about handing out slaps, was it? What were you saying you were going to, to the uh, people? Slapping slap the wrist. Slapping the wrist. That's the one. Uh, just you, you, You're in for one as well. You'll okay. notice I'm not wearing your... Um, your your podcast T-shirts were sent down to me. Yep, notice. Yeah. You, I know you mentioned that you know my modeling career. I see you put something up on Facebook about me modeling. Um, sending me a fucking medium T-shirt is not the way to medium. Me, you know. Jeez, I'd say, I, 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 I thought I thought that was double XL I sent out. All right, yeah. Mm. <laughs> still, still not go around me. Da- I wouldn't go around me, dog. Let alone me. The jacket fits though. I don't hear you giving up with that. But anyway. Um, the modeling career, yeah. All, all you stopped short of saying was paint me like one of your French girls out of Titanic, I think, when I saw that. To be honest all with you. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh, counting, counting cows, huh? Tell you what, boy. Oh, sure. What else would you be doing with nothing else to be at? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, um, you, you, took, you took it all in your stride. Your interview was actually very good with uh, with Tony Kelly, who was very good. It's very good, on actually. Interview uh, duty, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I'd met her once or twice before. Uh, I thought she. Came across well, very pleasant, knew the questions to ask. Obviously, uh, she has a great knowledge of the sport. I thought she was excellent. Um, yeah, I didn't see, I don't think anybody likes, I don't think anybody likes their own interviewers. I don't, I don't think, apart from yourself, obviously, everyone hates the sound of their own voice. Um, you love yours. <laughs> but, one, one. That's one, one. <laughs> one, one, is it? Right. Okay. Um, but no, I thought she did very well. Um, um, in I didn't see any of it, obviously. I must sit back and watch it. Um, but yeah, maybe it's the common thing. Maybe I, as I said, I haven't sit back to watch it. I don't know what the public think of it in general. Mm. Well, in fairness to Tony, she's got a very established career in media when it comes to rallying. Well, oh, has, has she? Yeah, yeah. Ah, she's yeah. very professional now, to be fair. Yeah, so. and uh, a decent, decent career behind the wheel as well. Uh, so yeah, I thought she was very good, as you said. New the question. I think a ask. lot of it is it's like a lot of things in life. She has a pleasant manner. And she knows what she's talking about. So she has all the ingredients. So, mm-hmm. And she's polite. And she's respectful. She has she has everything you'd want a person doing that job to be. Mm-hmm. Um, puts a smile on my face, but somebody else. But anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly along. 
All right, yeah, she can tell yeah, us what yeah. that is later on, maybe. Um, uh, Desi Henry and Alistair Fisher will be along very, very shortly as well. Uh, so I suppose, like, where do we start? There's, there's a couple of talking points, to be honest with you. And yeah. uh, you've mentioned the, the coverage there. That gave us a great insight into one thing in particular that I'd like to point out. But from your point of view, you competed in the event. Uh, your overall take on proceedings alongside Stuart, uh, how did your day go, firstly, and your take on everything over the duration of the two days, I should say. Okay, so we'll start with the good things, I guess. There's all there's, there's, there's good and bad everywhere. We met lovely um, timekeepers, marshals. People couldn't be any more pleasant that we met. Um, met lots of new friends. We had we had a great battle with um, well, a battle that we lost and he won, but we had a great battle with uh, Daisy's brother Niall, and um, and Barney Mitchell that sits with him. Barney is like, no, this is not to do with Barney the dinosaur. This is another Barney. But this fellow, he is some crack like. And there was something, he made my weekend because if you went to hire an entertainment manager, you couldn't get better like. Um, as, as Niall was saying, when Barney starts, just stand back like. And it was just entertainment. And you know something, I don't think I laughed and smiled as much. And as you'll notice, I don't do a lot of smiling. But man, that man made me laugh for two days. That's as regards the event, trying to think of one word all day for the event. And then I thought, well, I can't use that word on, on anything <laughs> to do with the public. Let's go with a word as, as someone advised me to use. Disappointing. Okay. That's the best way. Um, okay. We would have come out of West Cork, which is one of the best events for um, being competitor-friendly. It's it's tailored towards the competitor. There's a lot of competitors in the club. They know what the Basically, they know what the, co the, the competitor wants. But when you went up here, it was as uncompetitor friendly as was. You couldn't mathematically design it to be any worse than it was. Like, um, lots of hanging around. It took us twelve hours to do six stages. They adopted, um, they did adopted an international timing system, which made that we had to go out to do the first stage, and you had an hour and what was it? Oh, to go shoot an hour to do the first stage and go to the second stage. It was uh, it was 23 miles of a road section, 10 miles of a stage, and they were giving us an hour and 12 minutes to do it. An hour and 12 minutes to drive 33 miles, 10 of them which are competitive. So you ended up after the first stage parking up on the side of a mountain for in excess of half an hour, just twiddling your thumbs. The day was so dragged out. And you'd come off a stage, and you obviously right before you go into the stage, you're preparing and you're getting pumped up. I suppose the use of a better word. And you come off the stage absolutely buzzing and pumped with adrenaline, and then you sit up on the mountain for a half an hour, and you're all gone off the bile again, and you have to start all over again and get the car warmed up, get the tires warmed up, and get yourself woke up, um, and just to get back into the zone again. So this hanging around was dreadful. And then when you come into service, it was another twenty-four miles back to service. And you couldn't clock into service, regroup, call it whatever you like. We had to hang around there for another 20 minutes before you could get in and more hanging around. Um, and fuel-wise, like we were burning 42 litres of fuel to do two stages. Now, I'm not going to get into the price of fuel here tonight, but we were, we were wasting money on fuel like this confetti, like just driving up and down the road. It's, they're, they're just expensive cars and fuel. I just, you know, it just didn't appeal to me. That that was just the, the, the road end of it. Um, Stage-wise, I suppose, look, the first, the, the, 
they only did two stages and the following day for the most part they were run in reverse. Now I understood if we remember last to last week's um podcast, albeit the 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 people from the, the USC didn't come on or the representative didn't come on, they did tell us that the reason they had to go to those areas was I think they were guided by COVID. They wanted the least amount of spectators. They wanted the least amount of uh, junctions, so on and so forth, and go to, um, um, Desla has the wrong word, to go to an area away from where the public may may, may be. Um, and, and that was fine. I understood that until I saw the stages. And, like, one stage had 18 chicanes. It was 14 miles long, had 18 chicanes. It had seven of them had six bells in it. Three of them had four bells in it. There was two bus stops and there was whatever to make up the rest. So six junctions tightened very much so. Um, where they were putting the chicanes, chicane to me, if you're putting chicanes into a stage, like a small thing, like a chicane is devised, devised as a safety device. I actually looked it up today. Where is it? I've written here somewhere. Chicane is derived from a French word, chicaner, which means to create difficulty. That they did. They created lots of difficulty. And it, it should be used. A chicane should be used to slow traffic down for safety. But these guys, for whatever reason, the, the rally was full of dangerous jumps and bumps. And the, the stages were dangerous. There was no doubt about it. But they had chicanes 100 yards for hairpins, actually. Ironically, one where Desi actually just got bogged down leaving the hairpin. And I've got 200 yards around the corner, and here was a chicane that you unseen and hidden. There was a couple of them. They were highly dangerous. So they went from making it safe to making it dangerous by putting a chicane into it. So the focus seemed to be to get the bogey times down, the famous bogey times. And I can't understand for the life of me why they didn't realize they were going to have a bogey time problem because they ran that event, or sorry, I won't say they, a club ran that event back in either 2016 or 17. And if my memory serves me right now, I'd have to go into rally scores results to see it. They would, I think they ran three or four stages and there was no result. Everybody was beating the bogey. So it wasn't that they didn't know. That would have been flagged well, well in advance that they would have known. Um, that they would have known about the chicanes. Now, should my opinion is that they should have put the chicanes where it was dangerous and the amount of dangerous jumps. I'm sure we've all seen Jason Mitchell's uh, video shot going over the, the jump. Mm -hmm. He was taking on Nicky Lauder. It was like an airline fucking company he was going to open. Um, but I purposely, after the event was over, because there was only 30 minutes up, but I purposely drove up to that jump to have a look. And there was no area taped off in the in the inside in the field. The spectators could stand in the field after the jump. And if you remember, they listened to one leading competitor came off that stage. This was on Saturday. And what he said was just frightening to hear us. He said, I could have killed several people in there. And he was talking about the people at the far side of the jump, where I can't understand for the life of me. If you if them stages like down south, they, they would be examined by a safety delegate, officer, whatever, from the MSA. How that didn't flag to them, I just do not understand for the life of me. Um, I don't know. Considering he's the qualified professional, 
but every photographer in the country figured it out because they were in there. And this fantastic, don't get me wrong, we've ordered photographs ourselves today, lovely photographs. But if anything went wrong, and all the people that was at the exit of them, I just thought it was a bit much now, to be fair. Um, and because there's so many chicanes, rather than putting them around hidden corners, what they should have done was put them on top of the jumps, if that's what they felt. Um, I, I was disappointed, like, and, and other things. I asked the question, the, the, the chicanes and the junctions were tightened so much. My concern was, God forbid us an all harem, if we had an accident or an incident where recovery vehicles, ambulance, rescues had to come in, they would have some handling getting into the, to the scene. At low water, all the cones and stuff at the junctions would have to be dismantled, which is fine. It only takes a couple of minutes. But put in 14 or 15 junctions, that's a fair delay getting into the incident. Again, just, yeah. Yeah, but just as I said, just disappointed. The stages were dangerous, too many massive jumps and bits and pieces. I'm sure some guys enjoyed it, but I'm just wearing my safety hat on. I put it to this way. Down certainly in this jurisdiction, that would not have passed safety. So under any circumstances, I would never again give out about motorsport iron safety. It's in a different league, and, and I can see why they're 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 lauded so highly in um, in the world of the F if I'm always mixing these up, the FIA. Um the yeah, I I I I I was just disappointed in that. Right, see if any other notes made. That was the road section, that was all the hanging around we know about that. Well, look, uh, while, while you're looking, Anthony, that's that's quite strong, firstly, right? Yeah. You've made you've made your views very strongly. Uh, just yeah, for anyone out there, opinion, so it is yeah. Sort of, but but just just for anyone out there that is kind of thinking this is a bit lopsided. Uh, we here at the Rally Podcast did send off an email to look for a representative today again from <coughs> the Old Strongwood Club, and that was not forthcoming. And uh, the spokesperson that kind of offered themselves, uh, you know. Obviously, kind of a colleague of yours, Anthony, uh, last week and this week was contacted too, and it just didn't get replied. So uh, I always just want to put that on record. And I've always attempted and always will look to give people from both sides equal airtime and equal right to kind of say how they feel and what they feel. That's how this works. This is how it always will work. So Here's just something small, right? And people don't normally think of this. I suppose as competitors for years, certainly when we were younger, we wouldn't think of it. As bad an all as you think today was dragged out for us doing 12, 12, six stages in 12 hours. Like when you consider we went to a fantastic hospitality in Bor some weeks ago. I didn't compete in the event. And I had the same runoff in 50% of the time. But spare a thought for the marshals for a minute and the timekeepers. We met two particular ladies. They were tired. They were cold. They were just exhausted. They were on their feet all day. And what we organized, and I won't get into everything, but we organized just a bit of food and a, a, a Domino's carry out and so on and so forth. And we got him into the truck and got him warmed up and fed. They were tired and hungry. There should be nobody tired and hungry at seven o'clock at night from being working at a rally. They're there as volunteers. They must have been. It was like he wasn't even volunteer friendly. Like they must have been shattered. Like, um, but mm. yeah, it's just. My, my overall thing, not competitor friendly, certainly not friendly for the volunteers. The stages, in my opinion, were dangerous. Safety standards needed a lot to be desired when it came to the jumps. Um, our fuel bill was a bit silly from the road sections. Um, 
the bogey time situation. Jesus, do we need to get into that? I wonder. Um, well, do you know, b- before you do, um, <laughs> I want to put on record uh, that uh, the man backstage, Alistair Fisher and Josh Moffat, I felt very sorry and a lot of empathy for both of them because in no way whatsoever is that to do with either of them. No. Let's be, let's be clear no. about this. But unfortunately, they're the ones that are kind of caught up in it. So, like, in the best possible way that you can, can you explain, in your opinion, how you saw this unfolding and if you think it was kind of right or wrong. Because the, this is, there's the, a lot of... Can I just put one last thing out there, right? And I have to be very straight. There's an awful lot of shit going around the last few days. And it's a bit, a bit pathetic and a bit unnecessary. And, and that's, not, that's, that, that's unfair on the lads. It's unfair on Alistair. Yeah, it's unfair on Alistair as one. It's unfair on Josh as well. It's unfair on everyone, really, to be honest. And that's not how this should be remembered. But because it's a talking point, give us your opinion on it from your point of view. And how you and saw it, it and what's the ins and outs. Right, the ins and outs of it, really. So, as you quite rightly said, nothing to do with the boys. All competitors and co-drivers can do is go out and do the rally. Co-drivers work as hard as they can for the driver. The driver is a steering wheel attendant, just get on with it. So, all the bullshit you hear is exactly that. It's just bullshit. I think where, where the mistake, there's a lot of, as you said, bullshit, right? There's a lot of bullshit saying, oh, the UAC changed the rules. Well, they didn't. That's not true. If you read the FIA regional rally regs, which thankfully I had brought a copy for the weekend and printed them off, there should have been no bogey times in the rally. But again, a narrow by the club, how I don't know, they issued bogey times on the time cards. I actually still have the time cards here and the bogey times are actually written on them. Late, obviously, on the second day, um, I don't know how, but the UAC became aware of the error. Now, a lot of people will say someone told them, and if they did, they were right to tell them, because if it's wrong, it is wrong. And it was wrong. They shouldn't have been there. The club then obviously had to figure out what they were going to do as regards regards the bogey times. And they had to scrap them, and we were issued with a bulletin. But, of course, the whole thing where it left it unfortunate was the timing. So you left, uh, and again, I wouldn't know Alistair no more than I know Josh. I actually don't know them um, all that well at all, just to say hello. And they're both pleasant, both nice guys. That's as much as I can tell you about them. And both co-drivers, Andy and Gordon, two nice guys. Uh, and I would actually know Gordon nearly better than Andy. Um, but if, right, just put you in a situation, just say for argument's sake, I was sitting in the leading car. Let's not leave their names out of a minute. So the leading car, as he thought, had a 12-second lead. So he would go out to the last two stages. And I know certainly the advice I'd be giving him is say, okay, you've 12-second lead. Realistically, your opposition has to take 13 out of you, or 12 out of you, whatever the case may be, to win the rally. But it's really on one stage because we're going to break the bogey on the last one. So it would be quite conceivable to say, right, lads, don't go flat out. Go very fast, obviously, but keep it at the safer end of it because we really only have one stage to worry about because we're all going to beat the bogey on the last one. And from what I think, if I can remember correctly, and I let someone correct me afterwards, I think uh, I have to mention that obviously Alistair took uh, four or five seconds off Josh. And if I was saying that car, I would say, that's nothing to worry about. We'll go through the last stage and we'll both beat the bogey and we'll still come out on top. But I know uh, 
we were exactly 3.66 miles because we pulled up. As I was saying, there was a lot of hanging around. And uh, we just happened to put up with Niall, Henry and Barney and just purely for the entertainment. And as it turned out, Josh Moffat and Andy Hayes were parked there. And as we were sitting there and within a minute or two of their going into the stage, the beeping came on the phone. And I remember Barney saying, Jesus, he says, look at this. They've just scrapped the bogey times. And again, I can only put you in the position if I were in that car, which I wasn't, that would absolutely melt your head to realize, hold on a minute, we're just about to win. Are we winning? Are we not? Are we second? Where does that leave us? Because obviously you're not doing them calculations because the precedents haven't been set that you're following the rules as you saw them all day. Now the goalposts have just moved in the middle of the rally and you're at a loss. And like, to be fair, the goalposts move and just to drift away ever so quickly for this. I noticed the club, we finished recce. And if anyone goes in to look at um, an incident with Luke McCarthy and, and Brian, Barry, Brian Duggan, Brian Duggan. Brian Duggan. They, they, you'll see him touching a bale and getting a bit bogged down at a, a chicane. I think it's Aura Bridge, it's called. That bale and chicane was put in after the recce. They modified the route after the recce. And my understanding was that when a, a colleague went to question us, he was told, well, it's in the safety plan. Well, they said, you never put it in the road book, sir. What the hell are you changing it for? So we had a pacer coming down into us uh, on Friday morning, and it was 100, keep right and drive it as you see it. We didn't know. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what way it was going to be allowed. out. And they did the same, I think, on Saturday. They tightened. We got a bulletin into the car as well on a text to say they were tightening a junction. They didn't say it was about 6 inches, 12 inches, 3 feet. And again, it was a case of keep right and it was a blind junction. And just, again, drive it as you see it. But just as I go back to the, as I was saying, just that was just three instances of moving goalposts. But, of course, the, 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 the organising club, when this was realised that there was an error, they had to change it. I'm sure they worked as quickly as they could. And it just left it just left a bad taste. I felt uh, like if you, if right, go to the other side and removing the bogey times, Alistair Fisher was the quickest man on the day. In Dove. Deserved his victory. He was the quickest man on the day. Um, but moving goalposts, it's like, yeah, I'm sure it is what it is. Moving goalposts in the middle of a rally is just, it looks bad for rallying. It looks bad for the sport in general. It's it's terrible for the competitors because obviously, there are, like every sport, there's a winner and a loser. And one man thought he was going to win and he didn't. And the other man won. And that's always going to create a, a, a tenseness, let's just say. Um, yeah. And I have no doubt Alistair didn't want to win like that either. And you see, all they can do is compete. You're relying on the professionals that are organising all these things to do and have due diligence and have their paperwork in order. But, of course, by day publishing bogey times in the first place was wrong. It was no different to, if anyone remembers back for years, the UAC would be very much by the book. And it was something that always was taught to us going back 20 years. I remember 25 years ago, I went a foot inside a control and a, a marshal walked down to me. And he says, give me your time card. You're here. And I said, well, I'm not sure. We're not due for another minute or two. Oh, he says, your bonnet is inside the board. You're here. And it was a lesson I learned at a very young age, how you get, not so much how you get treated there, that it's by the book. 
So then I was very confused and I did a bit of research after the event. I was confused as to why when we were going through the stages on Friday morning, the marshals were videoing us with cameras in case we hit the chicanes. You could see the little lights on on their phones. And I was rather confused and I went, right, okay. But on Saturday, the, the truth can be told now, we hit a couple of these things and I went, oh, Jesus, this isn't good. We're going to lose X number of seconds. And I think it was 30 seconds for every time you hit one. And considering there were so many of them, the likelihood was high. So I was worried and I said, Jesus, we never got a penalty. I said, it wasn't Saturday now. And then I noticed nobody got a penalty and I went, that's weird. Why would that happen? So I went and read the regs. Now, my understanding, and this is definitely only my understanding, is down south, certainly here, we would always list judges of fact. There's always a list of them either on the final instructions, normally on a final instructions one or two. But I noticed they never listed any of the marshals' final instructions on final instructions, never listed their names. So I don't think they could use what they had to issue the penalties in the first place. That's only my thinking of reading of the regs now. So you could have knocked you could have knocked those chicanes like bowling pins for the day. Hindsight, of course, is wonderful. There was actually nothing they could do. I'd love someone to verify that for me, but I am let's just say I'm ninety-nine percent sure. I'm ninety, but again, I'll I'll hold it that it's my understanding. That's my official line. But I know certainly I, I take a gamble and give it a, a flatten the next time. If unless I see a judge of fact lifted, listed, certainly that's the way it is down here. I'm sure that's the same in in MSA land as well. Okay, so well, look, glad to over. I'm my back was broke from the jumps and glad to be home out of it. Fellas, my age like a bit of comfort and Sunday drives and that type of thing. I didn't get any of that. Yeah, best luck getting comfort now after putting your neck in the top block here. But uh, yeah, anyway, fair, fair, fair play for being honest at the same time. But I'm but sure what's the point? You see, to yeah. be fair, right? Uh, Desi, I, I actually don't know Desi that well either. Mind you, he's come to the local rally in Limerick here. Many well, times. do you know what? You're going to get to know now because we actually need to bring him in for time and time is choking on this. Um, about just before... as, he's, as he's coming in, to be fair, right? I would never expect any of those two guys to say what I've said because historically, if you speak out, you're it's putting a target on my back. But I'm of an age at this stage, somebody has to speak out at some point in time. Whether you agree with me or disagree, that's fine. But somebody has to speak out because nothing will ever change unless people speak out. But I say this the whole time when people... Not right either, but... But Anthony, I, I've met several people, right, that, that would say to me this, that and the other. Like, you are a Marmite character and you know that yourself. People love your hate. But the but thing that I have, the, the, the thing that I have a lot of respect for you for is that you do actually just speak out honestly. And, and a lot of people, you know, don't actually do that. So that's enough of the compliments now. Yeah, but I, I, can <laughs> but... Well. I can respect the view of the people that don't speak out because I know what happens to people that speak I know. out. I know. What I know. Because it suits you because you're so far far into it that you're in a position where you can. Couldn't and get, I couldn't care less. Yeah. Well, fair fair play. That's, that's, that's all I can say. But last point just on that. get an injury there next year now, you know that. Like. Well, sure. Look, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But la, la, last point, just having looked on, yes. I suppose, and saw when Hayton Productions were... Filming that uh, eight element chicane and um, Michael Patterson. Did you film it? Yeah, yeah. If you go back and look at it, and Michael Patterson spoke about the the penalties and stuff, and even when it made an interval, it's I I just thought it was a little bit too dangerous for my liking having marshalled a little bit. Um, you know, I I don't know was there, and this is not an indictment on HM Productions. Do not get me wrong. I don't know was there more pressure on the marshals because the video was there and going out live to actually fix up the things. In a way, I think it actually wasn't a bad 
thing in terms of highlighting how dangerous it was. And thankfully, uh, it didn't that come at a cost. I, 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 didn't know, I didn't know what you were saying there. I didn't know yeah. that they were trying to put him back, but that makes sense because there was one particular acute hairpin left on the last edge uphill. And I remember every time we came down, we could see a fucking yellow jacket wand on the road. There is nothing more distracting down a long straight and seeing something yellow moving because it's a region. So obviously, and well, I can't say obviously, Let's well, we, we'll go back to the, 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 the correct line. It's my understanding from listening to you, that was likely a marshal trying to erect the chicane that was flattened from the previous man. Um, well, not, not even flattened. I wasn't blown over that and just, just nudged, like, essentially. And it was tight yeah. because, actually... But they were much I wider think... on Saturday. They were about... I, I was watching Daniel McKenna's. I never get his name right. Yeah, uh, you're right. I think he had a serious drive, by the way. Yeah, oh, amazing drive, yeah. But yeah. I, I was watching his in-car, and I paused it inside one of the six bale chicanes. I call them bales. They weren't bales. They were these plastic uh, crowd barrier things. But I paused it to see the markings on the road, and each element was moved... Which was about 18 inches, so we had a lot more room. So obviously there was a lot less knocked. Uh, it wasn't that we were driving any slower through them; they were they were wider by a good margin. But mm. yeah, yeah, unsuitable. Let's hope to God they never go up there again. It's ideal for testing, but nothing else. Well, last week, of course, when we were doing our predictions, uh, one man that neither of us had in our top three was Mister Desi Henry. Desi, how's things? Welcome aboard. How are you going, lads? How's things? Nice to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Well, you know what? We don't do politeness here at all. Do you know what's gassed, Desi? I was thinking, Desi, right? So last week there was obviously a lot of talk about, you know, there was Paul or this and Paul or that. And Desi Henry just says, home my beer, lads. <laughs> and you took us all by surprise. I mean, that was an incredible drive and just misfortunate the way things ended up. But uh, hey, it must have been very enjoyable for the most part anyway. Yeah, look, we uh, we really enjoyed ourselves. Um, look, as Anthony says, the, the event did have some flaws in it, uh, but all in all, we we did enjoy ourselves up to uh, our sort of mechanical failure. Um, unfortunately, that's just the way rallying is. Sometimes you have, you have good days and you have bad days, but uh, but no, look, the fiesta worked very well. Um, yeah, it seems to have turned into. Uh, Big Volkswagen fanatics in this country. Uh, overnight, it seems. I would say there can't be very many Volkswagens left in the rest of the world. They all seem to be in Ireland. <laughs> but, uh, but look, uh, in fairness, the the Fiesta seems to have worked well, and we're very happy with it so far. Yeah, I was I was slagging poor old Callum. Um, um, I don't know, up in that mountain where we were all pulled in, I was just saying, Jesus, you should have gone to your Fiesta, shouldn't you? Just laughing like that a Fiesta <laughs> was winning the rally. And I never seen poor Paddy Robinson. He was smiling like a Cheshire cat. He was the happiest man in the world. Like so. Yeah, I no bother to Paddy now. No, Paddy was enjoying himself now. And uh, no, and uh, as you know, it probably was it was quite a fast rally. And uh, as you know, Anthony, it was probably a difficult enough rally for navigators. Uh, it was very, very fast. And uh, there were sections of the road that was quite hard to find markers on. So uh, Yeah, it was difficult. Like, and I, I met a few younger chaps and they, they, I think they had just a few, let's just say, a few minor issues with notes, and only minor ones are notes. And I says, as don't feel bad. That's as difficult coming down to Orr Bridge, and that that's as difficult a rally as you will ever see in your lifetime. Like so, if you know, don't feel too hung up with the fact that you felt you had difficulties in there, or the driver was inclined to catch up to you a little bit. That's as difficult as it gets. That that stage. Um, 
obviously Desi you would know it from years and I was surprised that some of the younger guys had never gone up there testing I remember back in the, the late 90s early 2000s even um, co-driving for Eamon Bowling back then then and some other guys I, I know Tim and myself went up there we used to go up there quite a lot um, um, back in the day like but I was surprised that some of the young guys said, I, and certainly I was talking with Stuart, and I said, surely you know this place? And he says, no, I hadn't a clue. Never been there. It's a, it's a, If you want to set a car up for bumps and jumps, it's the place to go. Like, yeah, um, yeah, and it hasn't uh, changed one bit. <laughs> since, no. It's a long time since I was there. But. Yeah. No, it is a, it's a good wee stretch of road. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, that a, a chicane stuck in the middle of the big straight, so probably it was limited benefit. Um but no, it is a, a good piece of road for, for setting up a car. Um, but, but I suppose, yes, it was that first couple of miles. But I suppose it's the second part, you know, uh, maybe about two miles into the stage as you pass the entrance to uh, one of the forestry entrances they used to use in the Glens of Antrim rally. That's right, that, that's right. That, that down to Aura Bridge. To me, that's probably a more difficult section of road because as that part is very, very bumpy. And as we talked about, there is no markers. And even, you know, as a driver, we're listening to notes, but we've nothing to reference it against. We're just and the worst thing is the trade there's two kind of sequences of bins down there that they're exactly yeah. the same, and you're not yeah. sure even which one you're on at the best well, of time. But to, that's uh, right. no, it's uh, definitely a, a test for for a man and machinery now doing that. But uh, no, it's it is a good stage that um, that Glen Dunn, uh probably a a much more. Uh, what you say, a much more technical stage than the Cairn Castle stage, but uh, a lot more time to be gained on it as we, as we've seen that Ali can do over it now. <laughs> so, Absolutely, yeah. That that run he had on the last run was just wow. <laughs> just, yeah. um, I would say it was hairy enough on side now. So, uh, but Desi, can I just ask? Like, I mean, was any of the talk of? You know, not just us here, obviously, but like you wouldn't have been in the reckoning beforehand in a lot of people's books, right? So did that, that play in your mind a little bit or did you just drive liberally and see where it was taking you? Because everyone was saying, ah, well, Desi would have some sort of familiarity, but you still have to go and, and go for a broke. Like. So did any of that kind of play in your mind beforehand? Look, I suppose in this game, you just have to do your own thing. Um, we uh, we did do quite a bit of work. We were coming off a few, a few ones uh, before, uh, you know, the first few events we'd done on the car with ones. Then we went till uh, Burr uh, with with serious issues and Burr with uh, pop off the pop off valve uh, blowing off and overboosting and and different things. Um, so it turned out there was a problem with the map on the car. So we didn't really get to see, or I suppose we didn't get to show our true pace uh, in Burr, but we knew that we were losing a lot of time with the issues we were having. Uh, so in the back of our head, we sort of, you know, we're weighing up how far we were down and burr against the leg of Josh, who's at the minute as good a marker as you would get uh, in Ireland. Um, and we knew we weren't miles away from him. You know, it was maybe 0.3 to 0.5 a seconds a kilometre. And we were, you know, we were easily losing that uh, with our pop-off issues and, uh, and burr. So in the back of our mind, I suppose we did know we had pace. We just hadn't proved it yet uh, on the tarmac. So... We'd done, we'd done quite a bit of uh, work before the rally. I wasn't happy with a few things. Um, car was crashing out a wee bit over the bumps and jumps. And uh, again, we had to get the map sorted in the car. So we did, we were out a couple of times trying to get the car, you know, completely set right. And uh, 
eventually, just that, that week of the rally, we did get it nailed. We, we were very comfortable in the car. Everything was working. The power in the car seemed to be right. We weren't popping off. Um, and uh, it all sort of clicked. And in the end, was it a, a faulty sensor was your undoing, was it? Yeah, no, it, uh, it was a, I think it was a crank sensor or something like that. Um, Is we, that what put you out afterwards? You're choking me, a 20 euro part, a 20 pound part? <laughs> oh, it wouldn't be. I don't know. I'd say now Malcolm might charge a few more pounds for it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I'd say it's not an expensive part. No, we um, wow. we, we started the stage and uh, we were coming down into the first, uh, sorry, the second uh hairpin and i think you yeah. may have mentioned that earlier and I yeah the car popped down she just she, she, she lost the, momentum there i was sorry yeah, the car the car well down the street just before that uh, over the top of Carn castle where they changed the stage at the big yes. street um and we we noticed that the car wasn't really going that well and i says to patty patty there's something wrong here the car's not the car's not going and uh down the street, I actually turned it off stage mode. I turned it back on the stage mode and uh, come down into the hairpin. And what happens when we lift its foot off the throttle, the car was completely stalled. So every time it came to a chicane or a junction and I lifted the foot off, the car just completely stalled and then struggled to start again. Um, and uh, obviously, it wasn't picking up off the crank sensor and wouldn't fire, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I think it goes on to some sort of backup strategy in the ECU. I'm not just sure how it works, but um, but no, it's uh, eventually we, we just ended up driving around all the rest of the junctions or all the hairpins. We just had to drive them very slowly just to get around without stalling because uh, every time we stalled, we were losing you know easily 10 seconds trying to get the car started again. So we got to the end of the stage and the car uh, stopped, wouldn't really start again. And we thought the engine was actually away in the car. But uh, eventually then we get the car towed back to service, uh, get her plugged in with a laptop, diagnosed at the back the sensor, put the sensor on, and the car started straight away, ready for the next stage. So it's as... Wow. <laughs> it's, uh, what goes through uh, your mind? Is it frustration? Anger? Often was curious about this. I've seen different drivers over the years. Some of them just... Just want to fucking roll up like Mika Hacken and cry under the tree, and more just gets so annoyed. Is it just deflated misery? Like to be winning the circuit of Ireland, the next thing you see the seconds dripping away and dripping away, and say, "Man, I'm in trouble here." Yeah, it uh, it was probably one of the I would say, and my rallying career is probably one of the most difficult, uh, you know, <laughs> failures we've had. Um, it's probably in a sense worse than get over the hedge because it's out of your control um, yeah if you were if you were lying if you rolled 10 times under a field at least you would say well i made a balls of that i was trying and it didn't go well but uh when the thing lets you down uh it is uh, it's upsetting i suppose the circuit of ireland is one uh it's one fairly close to home for us uh it's one that i've always wanted to to one um, it would have been, it definitely would have been a dream come true. But uh, no, when when the car started going, on, I just thought this can't be happening. Uh, we just kept driving, and I just says we need to get to the end of the stage. We'll get it sorted. 
and as soon as the thing wouldn't start at the end of the stage, I just thought it's game over. And can I ask one thing, Desi? Like yeah. Anthony's asked a very good question, and mm-hmm. all those emotions are natural in the immediate aftermath. But then when you get time to digest, mm-hmm. and I don't know, is it still a bit too soon? You would obviously take a great deal of encouragement from that going forward. Yeah. Um, no, it was. Uh, I was actually um, pretty chuffed this morning. Malcolm actually called this morning, um, and said look we're very happy with the way you performed and you know when you get the recognition from people like that uh calling you to say look we're you've done all you could do uh it is it's encouraging uh we've uh i suppose we've proved in ourselves that we can mix it with with the others um and you know irish rallying at the minute uh, everybody's got their own opinions it is extremely competitive you know you have you have some serious operators there uh running at the front all run at a very very you know professional level um i'm sure you know you could take some you know drivers in the world championship to ireland and they would struggle to, to race these guys so um no we have to say we're very very happy with what we've achieved yes it's shit what happened uh <laughs> it's uh nobody wants that to happen to them, but uh it is what it is as the old saying goes that's rallying and you just have to to uh, get up and move on uh, I, I mean, uh, Chris Mixhouse saying you sink or swim. <laughs> I suppose it's fair to say, or is it? I'm just trying to think of the kind of the lie of the land in general in Killarney that the setup of the car for Killarney won't be a million miles away from what you would have had, say, on that long stage or the short stage in in the circuit. So there shouldn't be a huge amount. You should be comfortable to go back into the likes of Ballack Beam, albeit it's not near as bumpy. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, Anthony, uh, we've, we've said we're not uh, we're not going to go to Killarney. Um, oh, you're not going to Killarney. Oh, sorry, so we're not going to Killarney. We're uh, we're getting geared up. We'll probably do that. We rally up in uh, Straban, um, and it uh, we'd won it a few years back. Um, oh yes, so I've done that short before. It's such yeah, a nice so one. It's a good wee good wee event now. Um, we'll probably do that, and then we'll we'll head to Donegal after that. Looking forward to Donegal. It's been a few years now from uh, obviously it's obviously it's run, so I can uh, I can imagine they'll be quite dangerous less for it this year. So uh, we'll be we'll get geared up. Yeah, for that. The, int- the entry lists are high, I suppose, everywhere. Albeit they weren't high last weekend, now, but in general they're quite mm-hmm. high. They're in excess of two hundred in most places. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. Desi. Thanks for jumping on with us. Um, fantastic drive. I know nothing will say will will make it up to you or whatever, but all I can say it is definitely encouraging. I'm looking forward to. Seeing you out in, in Donegal in particular. Best luck, all right, and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks, uh, Desi. Appreciate thanks, it. There you go, Desi Henry. Now, nice guy. Desi, Never spoke to that guy as long, actually. Yeah, he's a nice. Uh, Desi Soundfella. Met Desi on the Sugar in West Cork a few years ago. Good guy. Yeah. yeah. Brother Niall, uh, who we were bantering around with for the weekend. Again, I don't even know him. Of course, you see, because I have a face for radio and have a, a grumpy looking persona. You said it. It's been too much time, but we'd so much lax time in this. God, we had great fun with him. Absolutely. And, uh, I must say they made my weekend now, but uh, so he's, he's he's certainly cut from the same cloth as his brother. Yeah, well, another man cut from the same cloth as his uncle, I think, is uh, Mr. Alistair Fisher. Congratulations, Alistair. Welcome aboard. How are you? Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Um, How are you? Nice to be on the show, so looking forward to a bit of a chat. Good, man. Well, listen, firstly, congratulations. Secondly, sorry for holding you up for so long in regards to getting this off the ground. And obviously, we've, we've held you up even further again. Uh, but uh, good to finally be chatting to you here. Um, I'm sure you had um, a very enjoyable few days. Yeah, it was obviously a bit of a whirlwind. So 
Um, so we're a couple of days on now. It's I think I think it's Tuesday. So we're uh, <laughs> thankfully we've been off work. So with the Easter holidays and uh, just spent a bit of time around home and done some recovering the last couple of days. Really, it's back to back to work tomorrow. So back down to earth. Would roller coaster be the right thing to describe it as? Yeah, <laughs> like what sort of Anthony said about the stages. It was a uh, you were up and down and uh, in through dips and over big jumps and. That's sort of the way it's the way it's been and going on in my head for the last few days. So, that's, whatever uh, about you, how is your poor core driver? Because he must have nerves of steel. Um, because I certainly know the difference at the level that you're at. It just must be a white knuckle ride, like. Um, yeah, I have to say, he must be the calmest man in the world. It's a bit like what Dazzy said there. The you know, the pace this year, and you really probably since 2017 or 18, it really has just been lifting year on year, and. You just have to be so, you know, so dedicated in the approach, and you know, every aspect has to be so rounded. And you know, Gordy just never, he's ultimate professionally never misses a beat. Um, you know, for me, set off on the recce to you know, the finish off the event. You know, he has his finger on the pulse all the time, and he's making all the right decisions, keeping me, keeping me between the hedges as best as possible. And you know, Gordy on the notes is just, he's just top class, really. And to be fair, I suppose what some people and maybe the general probably they don't realise it's such um, it's such uh, a team effort, um, as opposed to I think James O'Brien many years ago christened us as the sack of spuds, but I think them days are gone. They were long removed from being a sack of spuds. I'd yeah, be curious, but, what is your what is your what do you think is the the best point? There are so many polos, and obviously you were the leading polo winner the rally. What's so good about the car? I put this to um, Matt Edwards some weeks ago as well. What to Marion. You're obsessed with these polos as well. You do realize you were sitting in a Ford over the weekend, yeah? <laughs> yeah, well, I, to me, a polo is a mint with a hole. I buy it down the shop for 50p. Um, but Go on ahead, what, Ali. I feel, you know, obviously, I think. What do you like, think makes it so special? It's like, it's like a VW showroom. Yeah, it's just like all the drivers, you know. We watch all the NSA's interviews, we watch the times, we watch videos, and you obviously study the form of you know what what car is the one to have. Um, you know, obviously, I think at the end of last year, the Austin Price and Matt Edwards had a massive you know fight on the Ulster Rally, and you know, some of the times they were setting were you know really impressive. I think obviously they were going head to head for the British Championship, which probably upped their pace that wee bit more as well. But mm -hmm. I felt after that. You know, watch the guys in cars, and obviously, I had experience off the polo from 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 Galway the year before. And you know, Galway being sort of your typical sort of wet, you know, tricky event, it's never one where you can really, you know, push the car or you know, push it to the absolute limit. So we just felt that within my you know, within my driving, I felt there was a lot more to be gained, you know, a lot more. You know, sort of to be taken from the polo. I just wanted to sort of investigate it that bit further, and then really that's why we decided to you know give it a go at the start of the year. Because I think to be fair, it's fair to say it's not as powerful as the Ford, but obviously the balance of it is so it's so well balanced, and it just seems to ride over the bumpy stuff with such ease. It's like the chassis is just flexing that right amount. It it just seems such a balanced car. If you watch it landing off jumps, if you watch its ability to turn in with little or no understeer, it seems to be such a balanced chassis. Uh, whereas the other cars, if you watch them, there seems to be a little bit more work involved. Now, obviously, you've driven probably some of the other ones. There seems to be, it's harder work. 
Um, yeah, I think, um, as you say, whenever you do watch the videos, you know, I think the, on balance, I think the Fiesta and, and probably the Hyundai as well has a lot more sort of punch. You know, certainly low down, you know, up out of junctions and so on. But uh, I feel, you know, as you say, the balance on the Fiat, on the Polo is just something else. The chassis, it's a lot, it's a lot sort of very much a sort of European sort of racy sort of setup. So coming from the Fiesta, you know, the Mark One Fiesta, which I sort of done quite a few events in, which was which moved about quite a lot. Getting into the Polo was a big difference because oh, it was, was yeah. Because I, to be fair, I find that Fiesta that we're in both with own. Murphy and with Stuart, it does move under, especially yeah. under heavy braking, it moves a lot on the road. And we're just trying to dial that out of it is becoming really, really difficult. Yeah, that's the nature of the Fiestas. And oh, is it? Of, we didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah. I think a, a part of the because the Fiesta has been so popular over the years, it's, it's such a, an easy car just to get in and sort of drive. And it, it always, you know, as a driver, it always gives you so much confidence because, because of the, the movement is still a good thing. It really gives you a feel for the road, and then you can get you know, good feedback through the tires. So it was it was definitely a bit of a culture shock, you know, sort of dialing dialing into the polo because it's that bit more stiffer. You have to really feel more for what the tires given rather than the car just doesn't give you quite as much. But you're not you're not feeling it back to the not, not quite as much as the Fiesta, but that's where you just sort of have to try and sort of round the round the setup overall just to give you. Give you the feeling you need. Is that going to disappear or not now? I don't know if you can still hear us. But we can't. We can't see him, but he's knocking around there somewhere. Um, my my question for you, Ali, I suppose, uh, you know, the last couple of stages and the last one in particular, your, your psyche before you went in, like I mean, you took a massive chunk of time, obviously on the last one. Uh, we, we know there was a lot going on, but what what's going through your head when all this is happening in, in the moment, and how do you kind of try and stay focused with with all the chaos that's kind of going on around you? Saturday was, I suppose, going back to the Friday off the event, I felt that I wasn't really committing too well and it was leaving sort of a lot of, a lot of time in the, a lot of time on the stages. Just confidence wasn't really that high, but I felt that overall you know, the car was good, you know, my notes were good and so on. So it was really just a matter of sort of getting me, my head in the gear and sort of on, unlocking sort of what I knew I was capable of. So... We sat off on Saturday. We had a pretty good run on the first stage. I think we were only a second or two down on Josh. Um, and then you hadn't it Len Dunn, which was running the opposite direction from, from the Friday. It's quite a technical stage, but it's also very committed. And it's, it's the type of road I always really enjoy. So you know, once we got to the end of the, Glen, the first run over at Len Dunn, and you know, I think Martin Brady was doing the doing the commentating at the end of the stage. And he, had, he said we were six or seven seconds quicker. It was just like sort of a pressure valve was released. And just from there you know we were in just everything just felt really good it clicked and we we just had the confidence that you know the speed was there and we could do it so um obviously the way the bogey times sort of happened to next as anthony said earlier on they should never have really been applied to the to the results from from word go so you know once that was cleared up you know, really we were made aware before the last stage and you know, the two of us knew that going into the last stage, it was essentially winner takes all. And you as with rallying, you have to be prepared to react to things. Your head has to be in the right place. And we just stayed focused to the end. Because um, even without the bogey situation, all it would have took would have been, you know, a spin or a stall for one of us. And 
you know, 10 or 12 seconds could easily evaporate. So we just concentrated on, you know, listening to the notes, driving the car and, and just having a clean run through the, you know, through the last one, really. Well, you, you kind of strike me and always have struck me as a calm, balanced type of person. So stage one compared to the last stage was uh, like my mindset then you're obviously cognizant, but how do you go about staying in that actual mindset in that moment and to actually deliver when it matters? It's, it's just one of them whenever, whenever the thing's just going well, there's, you know, there's nothing like it. It's, it's just like, you know, there's nothing really, it feels like there's nothing to stop you. Whereas it was say on the Friday, we were lacking sort of confidence. We just, we couldn't go forward and it was a bit frustrating, but whenever the things click, as soon as any driver or, or co-driver will say in the car, whenever it just clicks, you know, there's nothing like it in the world. And you know, the pace notes just go in, go in through, in through your ears, then the helmet and, you know, just transfers to what you're doing with the car on the road. So mm-hmm. it's one of them, whenever you watch, you know, in, in cars from, you know, all the top guys and, you know, like a, I watched Craig's NCR from Midland on stage from the Circuit of Ireland in 2016. And, you know, it just gives you that bit of inspiration to, that's what you can do on this piece of road. And, and that's, you know, I, you take bits of inspiration from here and there. And I was also watching a few weeks back, the 97 Circuit of Ireland was on one of the RPM videos on the Motorsport Ireland Facebook page. And just some of the, some of the, you know, the classic clips of you know people on the limit and just coming out of the box and you know doing their job and and you know obviously thinking of Uncle Birdie as well so there was there was a lot in the line but I knew when we were that close to achieving it we couldn't leave it sort of sitting on the last 14 miles so we had to go for it. Um, would Uncle Birdie have come into your head at that last stage or any point? Oh, yeah you know we sort of hadn't in once you set off with your helmets, sort of heading up the road, warming the tires, and you know, sitting gearing up for the start line, it was it's never far away. You know, mm-hmm. I, I always do my best to sort of put it to the back of my head, but it's never, yeah, it's never, it's never far away. And because you know, that can that that's something that could go against you if you don't manage it right. Yeah, no, you have to manage it, and um, I think over the years it's something I have I have managed pretty well, to be fair. But there's obviously a bit of emotion there, so it's yeah. Uh, but and then in a way, well, you know, it pushes you on as well. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, I just had. To, I suppose sitting on the start line, you had to. You knew you had to give it your all for the for the stage. Yeah, at the end of it, then I've described you obviously as balanced and calm, right? But you could see the deviation with the emotion coming out on you um, at, at the very end, and, and what it meant to you and the family when when they were all around you. Certainly, there is. There's a lot of emotion builds up, and whenever you're putting effort in over the year and you know in your preparation for the events and you know you're maybe just not getting the, the results you'd hope for whenever you get sort of that big one over the line it's just a real sort of release of emotion and you know for for my family to be at the finish line and you know my wife and kids were watching you know the live feed at home and it's a you know it's a good buzz and you know, really you just sort of you try and do it for everybody that supports you, all the sponsors and you know, all your mates and you know, the family at home. So to to do it was pretty special, isn't it? Absolutely. And obviously Borty won it three times, you've got your name on it now as well. And I mean, I'm sure that if you if you set out to start your career to, to maybe go and, and emulate something that Borty done and obviously the circuit being a standout thing, that's you know, 
it's uh, it's nice, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. It's, it's over the years I've came quite close to a few, you know, a few big wins on on internationals. I've had a lot of seconds, and you know, thankfully I was lucky to clinch Galway a couple of years back, and you know, to win the circuit. You know, I know it's not the circuit of old, but you know, the name's still on the trophy, so it's a, you know, it's a nice one to have, and it certainly you know, has sort of pride of place. Absolutely. Well, listen. Congratulations. That's all. That's all I can say. Um, and I suppose you know we we promised all the stuff me and Anthony talked about. We're not going to get you caught up in it because ultimately it wasn't to do with yourself or Josh. But I still have to ask the question: Were you kind of feeling a little bit sorry for for Josh to an extent in all of this as well? While while it's all going on, like obviously you know it's, it's not easy. The two of us were you know we were head to head, and the decision the decision came in. You were the the organisers acknowledged that. They had applied the the bogey times in error, so obviously we we had to react to that. Um, you know, really, we went into the last stage, and it was really just whoever was going to be fastest fastest mm-hmm. on it was, was going to take the win. So you know, it was no matter what way it would have went, it was going to be hard on somebody. And yeah. So you have to well, say the sportsmanship though was is fantastic oh, yeah. afterwards, and you know yeah. it it actually reminded me of Austin and Bertie. You know, going back all those years ago, that the sportsmanship was was always there, regardless of what was going on. Like, yeah, over the years, I suppose I've been about for a wee while now, so you know, obviously came across a lot of competitors, and you know, I class them all as friends. We all get on you know, really well. We have the crack at the start of the stages. You know, if it doesn't matter if who sets the fastest time or, or who wins the rally, there's always a bit of crack, and uh, you know, come the next event, it's it's the same again. So. There's great camaraderie in Irish rallying, and you know we love being out in the stages. You know we love you know seeing the spectators lying in the ditches, and uh, you know, that's why we go rallying. So, go man. Well, look, you're back. You're back in the shakeup now. So, um, I suppose a couple of weeks' time uh, is the next mission. Yeah, clearly now in two weeks. So it will not be long coming around. It's probably only a week and a wee bit away until we head to the Rocky. So, um. Get last weekend sort of out of the system now and, and concentrate on the next one. That's just the way it goes. That's the nature of it. Listen, an absolute privilege to have you here on the Irish Rally Podcast. Congratulations again, Alistair, and thanks for joining us here. All right. Thank you. Cheers, Gavin. Thanks a million, Alistair Fisher. I think Anthony Nestor is back with me. And we're going to turn our attention to the 1992 Circuit of Ireland, which was won by Frank Marr and uh, Michal Marr. And uh, Pat Malachny is backstage along with Michal Marr. We're going to welcome the gentleman on Michal first. How are you going, Michal? Very good. Thanks for inviting me on. And thanks for hanging on there. I know we're a bit behind schedule. Pat Malachny, you're no stranger to the Irish Rally Podcast, but good to be chatting to you once again. How's things? Hi, Kevin. Good to see you. Hey, Michal. Well, Pat, how are you? Hello, Pat. Thank you for years. How are you, sir? Indeed. Thank you. I'm the very best. Good. Well, lads, I was doing a little bit of homework yesterday. I watched the Circuit of Ireland 92, I don't know how many times, but I watched it again yesterday. (laughs) And there was an awful lot going on there, I have to say. Um... Obviously, they'd kind of, uh, don't know, with the pace not thing, you were on roadmaps, and that was obviously presenting difficulties, and there might have been kind of alternative versions of said maps with notes attached to them, kind of dr- drifting around the place that may or may not have been found, and it was, it was mad. It was just a mad event. And I suppose beforehand, like when you're looking at the machinery, uh, the two the two legacies, namely with Bertie Fisher and Kenny McKinstry, and then Austin and the Salika, like Frank then in this year, it would have been 
not really standing out in many people's minds as someone that was going to have an influence. But I suppose, as, as Craig Breen would say, slowly, slowly, catchy monkey, he stayed in the mix. And, um, you know, Kenny fell off, Borty fell off, and Austin fell off. And all of a sudden, Frank is well and truly in the mix. Uh, but Hall, talk us through it. I'm giving a brief synopsis of it, but what was it like to actually be involved alongside? Um, well, it was obviously a blind rally, but Brian Patterson produced a set of maps. Um, and because the maps in Northern Ireland of a, a greater scale, they were very detailed in the north. They were, they were able to call, if you look at some of the in-car camera with Robbie and Kenny, it's like he's calling pace notes. But when we came down south, because the Ardent Survey Ireland maps were at a, a lesser scale, they weren't as detailed. So that's what you're referring to marked, unmarked maps, and that's what we were using. Even going back, I'd never used one before, but the the, the road navy navigators called the potty. That's what we were using the night time to follow these maps in the night time. Um, to us, it was a great adventure. It started on Friday, five days. Uh, we finished on Tuesday at two o'clock, back in the sleeve, Russell and Down Patrick. Um, we, there's the proverbial word, rallying on a shoestring, but we were literally on a shoestring. Um, we managed to do the five days because when the rally was based in Watford, we all moved home to Frank's house in Clunine. Frank's great wife, Ronnie, and Pat's wife, Nora, they all, they, they fed the 30 of us. I mean, we had seven or eight vehicles with two or three people. There, there was 30 in the crew. And it was just an adventure. Um, first and we was going well we had a misfire coming into Walford on the Saturday evening um but that started on the Sunday bit of a misadventure coming into Nina I didn't actually get lost on the roadbook but probably the way to put it familiarity breed consent we were leaving going I knew the service was in the main road between Nina and Limerick I knew where I was going. I said, Frank, straight onto the main road. And when we got to the main road, the service was on our right hand side. I was entering service out. They had looped. So we had to go back the road about two miles, loop around, and come into service the proper way. So we had nine minutes late, 90 seconds of lateness. So there wasn't a lot of talking in the car that evening, heading into Galway. Um, we got to Galway at eight, nine o'clock for the supper hall. We left Galway then. Uh, we were still in second position, uh, two or three minutes behind Kenny. But because we were running three or four minutes back, when we got to the start of the first stage up in the Partry Mountains, Kenny hadn't appeared in front of us. Um, and I said, wow, he's late. Pat was driving our management car. We started the stage on time. And I said to Pat, Kenny is four minutes late. You wait 11 minutes. And if he's not there, he's OTT. So as far as we're concerned, Kenny didn't arrive. So we had an idea then that we were leaving the circle of Ireland. But we didn't know until 7 o'clock the next morning. So it was, it was just unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm. Pat, your memories having 
being on the other side, obviously being uh, very supportive of the, of the crew throughout. Yeah, well, I suppose um, a, a circuit of Ireland of a, that type, as opposed to what, uh, and congratulations to uh, Alistair on, um, on his success over the weekend. Um, you know, it's a different kettle of fish, like the old adage of um, to finish first, first you must finish. And a, a stage in the true sense of the Circuit of Ireland, right? That's 38 stages. Um, and when you, you know, when you're in Park Pharma there on, um, on, the first day, on the first day and you're looking at the machinery that you're up against, all right? Um, a Bertie had brought out, um, it was his first day in, the, uh, in his legacy. Um, a, two legacies, a... Um, Austin had uh, the GT4, um, even though it was new machinery, a year old for, for Frank at the time, all right. Um, the cause of it, I suppose, was a proven, um, a proven car over a for reliability purposes, all right. But when you're looking at the, 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 um, the alternatives, you couldn't at the start, you know, they give a hope and then, you know, attrition over. Over the period, I got the better of all of those machines, and um, after four and a half days and thirty-eight stages, like it, um, it was a, a you know, a unbelievable result. You know, something that's uh, stuck in the memory, and um, you know, it was a fantastic period. I think it was the Davy Greer finished second behind him, was it? Yeah, I was just going to share proof the reliability of the product, and of course, of course, the main difference in the cars was that it, yeah. it, there were it was two wheel drive as opposed to the four wheel drive of the other guys. Mm -hmm. uh, and David's car, as a matter of fact, was a was a sister car of uh, it was also um, original Lexworks. Um, oh right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Even though Frank's car was uh, was Stephen Finley's. Um, That's right. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, that's it. it. Mickey Farrell had it some time after that, then, and we because I don't I know we did a few rallies in it. Um, that's right, yes, because there's a photograph here on the wall. Um, and then that same event where Michal was mentioned, um, and, and Austin McHale broke down at the far end, the, the car was overheating. I just have, and I haven't watched the rally for years now. I just remember because we were running, I think, number 14 or 15 at the time. And uh, we broke down in the same Nina service hall with the touch gun. We couldn't go any further either. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's a, they're an amazing memories to have of the five day event. Albeit we never, we I never got to finish the five. Like I mean, it, 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 it was typical for um, I, I don't know what the, the, the uh, what the full entry was. All right, but I just did a quick uh, at, uh, look at it today. There were thirty one returns. Um. Wow, you know, it was supposed to show a, you know, it it, it was a a marathon event, um, you know, it was a a something else. Uh, it was great to have the pleasure of um, a, of doing it and being there and um, a, on the podium, um, you know, at the end of, uh, you know, which is still, um, a, you know, when you mention rallying to. Uh, to anybody, it's always still the circuit of Ireland is uh, is the one that that uh, that springs to yeah, mind. Sticks out, of course. Yeah. I suppose back in the day, and I certainly remember it, and I'm sure that both of you guys remember it as well. It was the only rally on TV. 
it came on every Easter. It was the Rotman Circuit of Ireland, uh, and, and and then it was Bank of Ireland Finance, and then it was the AA and so on. But it was the only really in them days. It was the only rally televised. So the likes of our parents um, would just remember it as the only rally, uh, even though there was probably multiple events on in the Absolutely. Yeah. Because you see, it it was um, it was a round of um, a, of ERC as well back in the day, and I mean it brought. You know, at a, a, a back then, Group B cars, everything in '91. As a matter of fact, McRae did it in a legacy. He introduced right. the legacy uh, the year previous in um, in '91, which was um, uh, which Michal or Frank did um, a '91. Philip Minehan, wasn't it, Michal? Yeah. Philip, yeah, did. Yeah, it was the first. It was the first rally, effectively, in that car. Yes. Yeah. I think, do you know the, the nitty gritty of the of that event in 92 though, like going down through it, Derek Smith I think was third and Niall Maguire fourth, both in in Martus and I was actually oh, looking back and I was trying to I was trying to ascertain which event it was that Niall Maguire's crew kind of took the RPM cameras by, by storm but by geez there was right some light. serious right well, I, can, I can tell you this he, he, he took uh, uh, he made his mark uh, on the night, anyway, at the finish round, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, 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 you've just brought me to uh, something to mind of a great memory. If you remember me, Hall, there was a lot of searching of cars in that event at the end of stages, checking for pace notes. And uh, we happened to be running near Nile at the time um, on the road, and they came down to search the car for pace notes. But we went off in the first stage, so I had to climb in and out the window. And uh, what, 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 a, what a disgraceful insinuation to anybody be carrying pace notes. Oh, I, 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 I and where that's coming from actually is that as um, allegations, there was allegations now, unfounded, of course, that when you came to the yellow board at the end of the stage, there was about five fool's cap pages of paper blown in the wind, and that the cows drove over them, they were getting scattered everywhere, but anyway, the. The, the club for their sins started searching people, but I, I uh, Niall obviously didn't have any of these things. And Jason, um, the next thing I see the suit coming down and coming off the shoulders and down to his ankles. Now he says, I'm telling you, I'm not hiding anything. I'll never forget it. It was, it was an image I never want to see again. And we often, we, we would have a joke about things like that. But yeah, he opened out the suit and there, I'm not having anything. But you were. Um... You were talking about, and well done to Alistair as well. You were talking about the close rally between Alistair and Josh the weekend. Yes. The politics we won't talk about, but I think we beat Davy Greer by eight minutes. So wow. it's just a completely different scenario. It's more yeah. of a marathon than a sprint, really, wasn't yeah. it, Josh? Yeah. It's just unbelievable, you know. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, some memory to have. Now, it's as only that I didn't watch the, the, the video that Kevin watched, but to, to sit and think about it, it's just a lot of little things coming back into my mind now, just of that. And it's weird when you say it's a 30, and if it doesn't feel 30 years. Oh my God. To think. It doesn't feel you, it. You don't look it anywhere, today. I know, I do yeah. feel it. My bones are still getting battered after and, last weekend. Paul is parting to the left now rather than to the right. <laughs> <laughs> he was lying down a few minutes ago. Did you not see him on the screen? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I think we, we I, actually, the, uh, uh, actually, Pat knew him. I won't say his name on camera, but we knew a fella years ago. We used to call him Hair on a Hinge. He got the hair implants. I said, We must give them boys a ring now. I, I'm due to. 
give that client a ring soon. Like it, it's, I, I need to adjust my lighting here. That's not high blood pressure at all, you know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's impossible to believe that it was 30 years ago tonight that we were on the lash above and the sleeve also in Down Patrick. I just, wow. I mean, the memories just, they're, they're still there. Fantastic night, fantastic week. We had civic receptions, council receptions, local receptions. I mean, it went on for a week and no more deserving driver than Frank. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think if my memory is correct, did, uh, did Plum or someone interview his mum and dad? And if you ever could just take a, a, a snapshot in time of the proudest parents in the world, yeah. that was them. God, they were the happiest people and so humble. Um, just, just, just little, it's all little things, but they were, they were such great supporters and so humble every time that there were people spoke to them, um, yeah. be it on camera or off. There was, like even Pat said it a minute ago. The winner of the rally in 91 was Colin McRae, the future world champion of 95. And That's we were the next and, and we were the next name on that yeah. book. Like it was just fantastic. Brilliant. Fantastic. Can I ask Boaty haven't haven't sat with Frank and Pat, I would have touched on it briefly with the podcast we did a couple of years ago, but like Frank was always in machinery for the most part that was, I suppose, a little bit outdated. Obviously, the answer to this is driving skill, but the little nuances of dragging the time and the absolute maximum time out of machinery that is a little bit back from what the competitors are at and where they're at. How how do you go about doing that? Is there any way to describe where he gained that time, all of the time, consistently? Well, in my mind, and I think Anthony sat with him once or twice, Frank was a true professional on pace marks. He was 100%. If it was a left three, it was a three. It wasn't a four or a two, it was a three. And he was 100% committed. And that's, and the best time it's done to me, I think it was in Dun, we were in Donegal in 92, the same year. We were setting times in Nogala and the great pure gentleman, Bertie Fisher came over. And he said, Mia, did you do that time? I said, yeah, that's our time. Well, he said, if you did that, in 89, when we had the two-wheel drive BMW and the four-wheel drive Sapphire, <coughs> you'd have won this rally by 30 seconds. Wow. That will tell you the commitment Frank had, you know. So trust trust, and listening to, to the notes. Pat, what, what's your take? Yeah, if you, if you see... You know, we can. Uh, t t it was always uh, unequal. I suppose t t uh, I was fortunate that by the time it became somewhat equal in in um, '95, when um, a, the S. Park Cosworth then was as close as a a possible to a, what we term as being current machinery. All right, like if you take '92 to go to the start run. Um, in Belfast in, in, in 92, all right, and to be looking at new legacies out of the box, all right, and GT4s, and you're in a car that's not, that isn't one, but two stages behind, because think about it, the Sapphire four-wheel drive had intervened between um, the, the three-door Cosworth, 
and um, a, I call them those uh, modern four-wheel drive uh, Group A cars, the, the, the legacies, um, and so forth. All right. So Bertie had come uh, two steps beyond at that stage. All right. He'd gone from his uh, entry to Sapphire four-wheel drive to uh, the legacy. And Frank was getting into the two-wheel drive Cosworth. All right. So that was the gap that was in it. Over the next uh, three years, that gap narrowed in that when we had the mammoth battle with um, to a, with a, a Finley being equal going into the last day of, uh, a, of the circuit three years after that, all right, you know, a, a, there was no excuse. It was, um, a, it was mano on mano, all right, the cards, um, a, a, the machinery, all right. Even when Frank later on came to, um, to a, the focus, the level of development that there was in cars at that stage, all right, even when he got to the focus, the focus itself even had moved on a stage by the time he had come to it, if, it uh, if you follow me. So to compare uh, during that period, uh, when he got that car, particularly um, 91, 92, 90, uh, uh, 93, that, that sapphire wasn't really... It was just too heavy. It was a it was a, a, a graphic car for Tarmac, all right, and it was just a dog of a machine. But as was the 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 a ninety two year, if you compare stage time with stage time with equal machinery, all right, and Davy Greer's car was the absolute sister of uh, Frank's winning car that year, all right, and David's a fine pilot. Okay, if you compare the times stage on stage all right they were just like um if we even take uh sleeve them on out of the equation all right um a, he was a second second and a half quicker per mile like uh, michael what was the gap at the end i think uh, pardon i think eight minutes yeah i think it was eight minutes or more and that, that was just a equal equal machinery Hmm. So yeah, it says, uh, says it all, really. So if, if it is, then it's down to the driver. You know, like I mean, it, um, a, you know, there, was, there were a, plenty of comparables, plenty of comparables at that stage. But in, in the previous rally in Galway in 92, we set the fastest time on the wettest stage only a month earlier against all the four wheel drive cars. Yeah. I think what you right. find, and, and, and the boys will agree with this, but Pat and, and Bert, Bertie had the uh, had the sapphire, didn't he? Yeah, sapphire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what you'll find, and the boys, um, Pat and Mihal will, will I'm certainly will agree with this. In every decade, there is always one standout driver with natural ability that doesn't have to work as hard as some of the other guys. They just can naturally take to it. And of his generation, Frank was probably the most naturally talented of them. Um, and, and and I'm not going to get into the befores and afters and the current ones and so on, but there's there's always certain drivers that are standout that have that natural ability. More yeah. find some guys by the ability, more guys have to work extremely hard to, 
to achieve results what Frank could just naturally sit into a car. He was a natural driver. But Anthony, I remember, I can't recall exactly which rally it was, all right? It, it was uh, possibly just Stone Tours. But Mickey, God be good to him, was in his prime at the time in his, um, t- uh, um, in the legacy, all right? And I remember coming up uh, to you, comparing times coming out of a, a stage, and you're like, where in the name of Jesus did you, did you get? Are you sure you have your times right? All right. Because ah, that's Jesus, right. that's clear. That's not like something yeah. I'd say at all at all. I don't know. But I didn't defeat so early. Oh, good God. But um, I was far, you know, I was far more likely, I was far more likely to say, for fuck's sake, Pat, can you add it all? That could uh, be right. right. <laughs> I, I, told, I, I told Kevin I wouldn't do I, I wouldn't uh, do any, be no slagging and no expletives. So this, uh, oh, this, yeah, uh, we've loads of that. We're not, we, that's the I one apologize, it doesn't bother this, me either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one advantage of this podcast, we leave nothing on the fucking floor, everything. It's all discussed here. With <laughs> No holes barred. But do you know what I didn't realise today, lads, having done a bit of research, was that Anthony actually sat with Frank as well? It was only a a bit actually in 2001 in uh, Limerick Race Course. It was during the foot and mouth disease. And um, yeah, we'd just been chatting and it was just one thing led to another. And and, uh, he says, hey, what are you doing Saturday? And I was, I don't know what I was at. I wasn't going rallying. So before we knew it, we were tramping around. I think we finished third on the day. But even for that short, like show style event or a, a, you know um, a spectator type event, uh, that my the one thing I always got out of it after was the note was the note, even though it was only a small thing. And I think as a co-driver and and the two guys will 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 will, will relate to this. No matter what driver you ever sit with, you'll always pick up something that you can bring on with you going forward. And I'm at this since what the mid eighties. And even still, I'm learning and going, wow, didn't know that. That's new to me. Um, so, yeah, I think every driver is saying, it's lovely. I have the, um, uh, unfortunately, I didn't realize at the time it was going to be Frank's last event. And uh, so, yeah, we have the photograph text by the place on the wall here. I think Seamus Coon had there, took a nice picture and sent it to me sometime afterwards. Um, what did you take from him then when you say you take from and, each driver? Was there a standout that you took? Uh-huh. Sorry, Kevin. Sorry, Kevin, to cut across you there, but uh, um, a, a, fortunately, over the years, above in Teston, I had uh, had a good fortune to sit with um, a both Tommy Mackinnon and a Malcolm Wilson on the test stage above in Newcastle. Yes. And a, uh, the only sorry thing about that is that a, you couldn't get um, Frank Mayer to sit in the sit in the navigator seat, all right, to take something from every driver. <laughs> You just had to explain to him uh, that uh, uh, Macklin only has about uh, 50% of the steering wheel inputs, all right, that you have, all right. You should sit in with him. And sure, he wouldn't sit into a car going to mass, like, you know. Are you serious? No way. Wow. Frank, no. I'm sure you wouldn't be all. No. no. Where I got to know him on a, on a personal level was out at... Uh, Race of Champions. Remember when it used to be on out in uh, the Canaries? In the Canaries, yeah. Yeah, we used to all stay in the one hotel. I think it was the Greenfield Apartment. So that's where I would have got to know Ronnie and Frank. And the kids were very small at the time. And uh, that's just where I would have got to know him, just out in places like that. We stay in the same place every year. It was, um, I don't even know where that race is now. It's not in the Canaries, certainly. Um, 
But yeah, isn't it? memories. Memories never go away. It's great, isn't it? I was going to say, lads, isn't it remarkable all these years later? Like it's it's thirty years, obviously, and the grow and the love that people still have for him, like and and every day, like it's it's just incredible, really, the legacy that he's left, like you know. Um, it was because he was kind of the like Colin, he was the people's champion. I mean, I wouldn't say it just be annoying me, but you're testing anybody could come up and talk to Frank, and Frank would talk to everybody and anybody. He was just so interested in rally. And if you showed any interest in the rally gap, he would talk and talk and talk. And I'd be like, Frank, we have to go, we have to go. But he had time for everybody, and he was just a people's man. Uh, Humble man, didn't have an awful lot of money, so the the the, the public kind of came with him for that. Yeah, what he did, you couldn't do it now. You couldn't do it now. Yeah, he was the underdog, wasn't he? And yeah. I, I just something that comes into my mind, and again, I, I have no idea what event, but we happened to be sitting at a table next to a table that Frank and I think the kids and whatever was sitting there, and I can't remember who joined us or who passed us, but you know, I think back. When we were younger, we were in awe of the McHales and the Fishers and um, and and Mahers and all these guys. And I remember somebody came into this hotel and just passed her like, "Oh, look at that! That's Frank Maher," you know, pointing him out. And I remember the parents said, "Go on, go over to him and just say hello." And they were afraid, you know, it wasn't like the younger people of today that nearly knock you down with a telephone taking a photograph. But they weren't. They were just so nervous going forward. And Frank heard it. And it was only a little thing, and he and he just said hello and waved, and we were right next to the person. I says, "Go on, no, he's a grandfella." I says, "I go over to him and say hello," and he did, and he just a young man, and I'm sure that I don't know who the young man was, uh, a young chap, maybe seven or ten years of age, and sure he was delighted. And of course, there was no cameras or iPhones or any of that back then, so he just got to meet him. Uh, a serviette was reduced, an autograph was on a serviette, and one happy chap went home. Yeah. So look, lads, no, I'm, I'm just the internet and GoFundMe was about thirty years too late. That's so. all. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Lads, um, thanks for coming on and giving us a flavour. Uh, really appreciate. It. We could talk about Frank for for years upon years. I'd say not just days and minutes and hours. And uh, as I said, look, there's incredible grow. It was an incredible victory. And thanks for coming on and giving us a, a bit of a flavour of. Or what that was like, and uh, we'll chat to you again soon. All right. Okay. Good job, Kevin. Hi, folks. Good to meet you, Pat. Pat Malachny and I haven't Hallmark. seen Pat for many a year. He hasn't. Um, the unlike me, the years have been good to him. He looks better <laughs> now than he did. I must be doing something wrong. I don't know about that. Um. So what's next on the agenda then, Mister Nestor? So. Uh, oh, my agenda. I was originally going to Killarney. Um, it's looking unlikely that I am now going to Killarney. Um, and I, Stuart is going to Killarney, but Stuart is with a different with the co driver, Eamon Creedon, that sat with Stuart in Cork, is back in for Killarney. And I'm at home in the garden, right? <laughs> so, my next event now will be. I suspect will be Donegal, albeit I'd like to do the local rally here in Limerick on the June weekend. So Donegal, if not, I, if I don't get a run uh, for Limerick, I will be going to Donegal in June. Looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. A couple of things before we finish up. Um, 
Monaghan Rally, obviously, uh, great entry for that, you know, and best luck to everyone. And just to pass on our condolences to the trainer family as well. That's, um, that was very sad, actually. Um, yeah. A very young man in the prime of his life. And as you mentioned, I have a note here, or just a special mention. It's more on a personal level. Um, a, a very good friend of mine, a, a man called John McCabe, um, passed away last week. We were up at John's wake uh, on the way to the circuit on Friday. Um, John would have come around in our time with Niall Maguire. In fact, everywhere Niall Maguire went, John was there. He was at all the rallies, every single solitary one of them. And uh, I met with his wife, Veronica, and his daughter, Laura, and his son, Niall, who lives in America. We, we spoke at Lint on, on Friday, or on Thursday night, I should say. Uh, John was buried on Friday, so condolences to them. Um, as someone, I, I, I was speaking with Niall this morning, and I just said, somebody met me over the weekend, and they said, weren't they brothers? And I thought it was just a nice gesture, because everywhere you went, one went, the other went. And they, uh, this chap said to me, weren't they brothers? And I had to think for a minute, and I went, you know something? They were. I thought that was just, yeah. He, they, 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 they fitted the profile of what group brothers should be, and uh, that's my part to note for tonight. So condolences to the McCabe, obviously, and the trainer. I didn't know a young trainer; he was a great driver. Um, he was out doing the national championship at that there on a Civic a couple of years ago, and I think he was only doing a, um, a an event in a buggy here last Sunday. So, I think when people die before their time, it's it's um, it leaves a sadness, of course. It leaves a gap. But um, yeah, I think memories. You you remember the good times, and you remember the you remember the the times you had and the fun times you had. You try and maybe not focus on the on the always remember there in a happier place, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. A nice way to leave. Well, listen, we're back for uh, a preview of the Rally of the Lakes. Uh, obviously, we've been out and about a good bit lately, and uh, planning to go out and about a little bit more too. So, looking forward to that. Anthony Nestor, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Good night. And thanks to our sponsors, Tree Rock, again, for uh, coming on board for uh, the Tarmac Championship. You can check them out on uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Obviously, we've been live on Twitter, Facebook, and on YouTube or on Instagram also, so give us a, a follow there. Uh, that's where we leave it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll chat to you again very, very soon.